Hello Life Changes Church, we are in our Move Again series as we look through the book of Exodus and how God took the Israelites out of slavery, through the wilderness and into his promises. So why don't you grab a notebook and pen and enjoy this sermon. So working through the Move Again series and just two things I want to say, there's two lenses that I've seen and I wanted to mention uh, to look through the book of Exodus, actually you can look through a lot of the Bible like this, but there's the, there's the narrative and that's a story, and, and you can look at the question, you can ask the question, what's happening? And then there's the transformative, and that's the question, what is God doing, or what is God changing? And I uh, just wanted to kind of as a, an intro to, and a review, because I know some people, you might not have been here, it might be your first time, but the background, the narrative to, to the uh, Exodus story is 400 years of slavery that they stepped into. Um, through Joseph's prosperity and all that story. You can go back and that's in Genesis. But they're 400 years and they've been in something of a forced idolatry story. So just for you tonight, today, my, my title is Altars or Isles. That's the, top, the kind of the topic we're talking about. But the challenge really is build up or bow, bow down. And uh, quite honestly, there's no middle ground. So it's a choice you have to take. But anyway, so they, they were living in something of a forced Obviously, slavery, but a forced idolatry. Um, they didn't have the Bible, believe it or not. Um, th- they were surrounded by idols. They were surrounded by foreign gods. Uh, at best, a narrative. They had a sorry, a, a, or, a, an oral culture that they would have spoken about the times of old. But they they wouldn't have any of the things that we would associate with religion. They were surrounded by. All sorts of idols. And then Moses comes onto the scene. Uh, He grew up in Egypt. He messed up in Egypt. He ran out of Egypt. He moved out, and then he settled down. And I just, I love those, you know, that up, out, down. Very often that's our story. We grow up. I grew up in the church, right? And then I ran out the church, and then I found myself down. And I think that those, those are just, you get that for free, but I just think those... Those, those things are helpful in, in, in shaping us. Our story, often, that, that's, that's human story. We find ourselves down and for, for different reasons, but I'm going to point out to one of the main reasons, certainly in the narrative of the Bible, not only in Exodus, there's a reason why uh, people find themselves down. And then secondly, it's the transformative, or I'd like to say in many cases, it's the formative. And that's where uh, we're learning to live, we're learning to trust Today, most importantly, we're learning to worship. And um, it's a story in the Israelites of slavery and idolatry to delivery and freedom. It's out of Egypt, through the desert, and into the promises. Ultimately, the goal is for them to see God rightly and for them to be able to, and for us to be able to worship in spirit and truth. So um, I've, I'm using two pulpits, Gabe. I hope you don't mind. But. Um, I've got several things I want to read. Um, I want you to get the heart of what I'm saying today, because it could come across quite hard or quite harsh, but I just thought to start with Exodus 23, and I'm going to read from verse 32 and verse 33, and please, this is God's heart on the whole topic of idols and altars. He says, you shall, sorry, you shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For you, sorry, for if you serve their gods, 
it will surely be a snare to you. Please understand God's jealousy for us is not because of an insecurity he has. Right? The jealousy he has for us is because we will, we will suffer. It's not because God needs us. God chooses us. We need God. Let's get that right at the beginning. And I think the heart of that is like, this is, it's, it's a real challenge today, and I hope that you get that. But understand this, it's because God loves us. He, he is jealous for us because we need Him. All right, Exodus 20 is the main text I want to look at today. And um, the, obviously, they've come, this, the, the Ten Commandments, we're not going to touch too much on that today. But uh, I'm just going to read from verse 20. 2 to 26, and this, this is Exodus 20. And this is basically, it's the direct instruction to build altars and stay away from idols. All right, so we're going to read it. Okay, you got it. Can I just wet up a bit? All right, and the Lord said to Moses, this you shall say to the people of Israel, you have seen for yourselves that I have talked with you from heaven. You shall not make gods of silver to be with me, or, or shall you make yourselves gods of gold. An altar of earth you shall make for me, and sacrifice on it your burnt offerings and your peace offerings, your sheep and your oxen. In every place where I cause my name to be remembered, I'll come to you and bless you. If you make me an altar of stone, you shall not build it out of hewn stones or cut stones. For if you wield your tool on it, you will profane it. And you shall not go up on steps to the altar that your nakedness be not exposed. I just want to pray. Lord God, I thank you for this text. I thank you for uh, the incredible call you have to us as worshipers. Help us to come back to the truth and the heart of that tonight, Lord. Amen. All right, so I thought it helpful just to, to actually spend a little bit of time looking at the difference between altars and idols because it's not common knowledge. Um, but anyway, so just a quick story about idols. Uh, helps, I think stories help us shape understanding. So um, you might find this hard to believe, but m when Cash and I were first married, I was a lousy husband. I was a great surfer. Okay, so um, I used to worship at the idol of sea, sun, and I used to rock climb. So my, my Saturdays started at about 4 a.m., me in the car on my own, and I'd get home after dark. That was every week. And uh, needless to say, it did not do us great, right? It was, but it was for me, myself, my pleasure in the sea, my pleasure on the hills, my pleasure in the mountains, that was an idol. And it, 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 my wife was very gracious, and I can say that because she's here, um, but it, it had to take a lot of God taking stuff away from me to realize that that was idol. So when we moved back to Cape Town, now in 2020, I was like, oh, actually, I really still enjoy surfing, right? But it looks very different for me. I no longer spend 15, 16 hours driving around looking for waves. For the two years I've been back, I've only surfed at one spot, and that's at Lighthouse, because it's five-minute drive from my house. So there's a change, but it's no longer an idol. That's just a story I want to tell. You know, there's, it, there's nothing wrong with surfing, but it's how you shape it in your priorities. If I'm honest, it was more of a priority than my marriage. And that's a problem, right? But it's where I find my peace, and I had all sorts of justifications. You know, I hear God speaking when I surf. How self-righteous, right? <laughs> anyway, so that's a story. But 
I'm just going to read a quote. This, if any of you are looking for books on how to know God, one of them is um, Knowledge of the Holy Bartosa. I would recommend it. Um, it. took me a while. I'm a slow reader. But anyway, here's a quote from that. It says, Wrong ideas about God are not only the fountain from which the polluted waters of, of idolatry flow, they are themselves idolatrous. Let me read that again. Wrong ideas about God are not only the fountain from which the polluted waters of idolatry flow, they themselves are idolatrous. And their idolatrous simply imagines things about God and acts as if they were true. We just read, you shall make no other gods of silver or gold. It's very interesting. In that Exodus, he says, you shall make no other gods, gods of gold or silver to be with me. I think that's a mistake we make. We think that there's another that can match. Well, there's another that can be with God. Um, in, in idolatry, and if you go to you know, different, different religions, I'm not here to slate those, but th- there's often equal status, even though there's different kind of areas of concern, but there's, they have another to be with, the, and there's like a, a shelf of them, and they sit together. But we can't have anything to be with God. He is ours, and He's the only one. In Psalm 100, and, uh, sorry, Psalm 100, it says that, know the Lord, He is God. When I read, I read that this week, I was so, so convicted of the, the thing of like, when I have made anything to be of a higher, stat- higher status or high in my heart in terms of priority than Him. Even my kids, I love them, right? But when God tells us to do things that we think, oh, how's it going to jeopardize them? We've got to trust. We don't not love them, we trust. But who's God? He is God, right? All right, so some characteristics of idols. They're self-made, self-fulfilling, very often self-reflecting. They look like us. Um, they're often about personal gain and achievement. And the nations around Israel really shaped their idols and much of their religion on what they could see. So they are the original shiny object. They distracted us from God, right? And anything that distracts us from a committed, devoted lifestyle to God, is whatever shiny object it is, it's an idol. It is an idol. If it's, if it's distracting us from Him, Whatever shiny object it is, for me it was surfing and climbing, even though I never climbed well, but (laughs) it was a major distraction. Another aspect is idols are gods that we can see and touch. In Corinthians it says, things that are unseen are transient, but the things that are, sorry, things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. It's very easy, easy for us to get caught up in the things that are seen. All right, so those are aspects of idols. Let's talk about altars. Um, also a story, just to help you understand something of it. This, this is probably um, not a great example, but it's one that I really enjoy. Um, I, we had a friend in many years ago who was probably, now I know we all know someone who is an introvert. But this person was so extreme in their, their personalities up, that they would come to church and stand in the back, and like, you go up to talk to them, and they would leave, like, and, but she kept coming back, 
And just to cut a long story short, eventually she joined our life group. And again, awkward for days, right? But like, okay, we, hi. And she's like, don't talk to me. And amazingly, the, the altar for her was God actually said to her, I want you to start hosting people in your home. So she came to Cash and I, and she said, awkward conversation again, but she said, this is what God's told me to do. It's a complete sacrifice for me. This is not my happy space. But God has told me to do something, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it, and I want you to walk a journey with me, and don't let me off the hook. Right? She continued to host a life group after we even left. So the complete, the complete transformation story. But I thought that's an interesting example of what an altar could look like. All right, some characteristics of altars. Just from this, I could, you know, could talk for days on this particular topic because I actually had to read for days. But anyway, um, two aspects from this scripture, plain earth. Firstly, they're God made, God formed, have no innate beauty. They're quite unremarkable in appearance. And I thought it's quite interesting how this mirrors Christ in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, where it said he had no beauty, no majesty to attract him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He is our greatest sacrifice. He was the, the ultimate sacrifice. Anyway, another, another aspect, uncut, uncut stones. So in other words, these are stones in their form that they were found, right? They had to be moved to fit together, because it wasn't just one stone, it was stones, so if they're going to build an altar, they had to be positioned, not cut to fit, but positioned to fit, to fit. and then uh, if they were chiseled stones, they would have become like idols, because the work of the men would be more accessible, in other words, we can see that somebody made this, and then that would become more important than the work of God. That's happened, just go to Europe. Look at the churches. They are ornate. They're beautiful, but they're empty, many of them. So what's, what's happened is the, the work of a man has become the focus instead of this is something I'm going to die on or something I have is going to die on. It's a place. It's just a place. And um, another interesting thing about uncut stones, the Canaanites used to use finished stones for all their altars. So God was already putting in a, uh, a directive to do things differently, to stay away from the way that they do it. I'm just... I'm going to go there. The offerings... Two specific, and there are many different offerings. If you read Leviticus and, and you, read, you read the law, there are many different offerings. Two that I'm going to mention, the two that are mentioned in the scripture. One is the burnt offering. And that was simple, simply to make peace with God. Just that, just to make peace with God. And quite interestingly, it was the whole animal, except for the hide and the parts that couldn't be cleaned, the whole animal on the fire. So that means our whole part. Our whole man needs to come to Christ when we're looking for redemption. The second offering was a peace offering. And this is more of a celebratory offering. And it was celebrating the peace that we have in sequence. Burnt offering, peace offering. 
And an interesting thing about this, this was also called the communion offering. This was an offering that we were right with God so we can be right with our fellow man. So this would be, it would also be something that was used at the end of vows or at the end of contracts. Like we'd have this peace offering. We are at peace and we've completed a, a task in peace. The interesting part about this is it was only the entrails. In other words, the innards. Only the, the guts, right? And the fat. And I think the symbolism is quite simple, but I'll make it plain. It's, it's, our peace is internal. Our peace is deep within us that we have to find. And those, the, those, those two offerings are, are what made people right with God and right in community. Now, the sober judgment with, with Israel is we know we like the Israelites. We also see God. But it's very easy for us to move back to idols. Very easy. And... Um, if you look at the story of Exodus, um, doesn't take them long. I'm just going to go read a section of, if for those of you that don't know, shortly after this, Moses is spending several trips up the mountain to go and speak to God, getting law, getting the whole um, plan for the tabernacle. This is, some, some scholars say, eight times he went up and down the mountain. And in one of these times that he goes up, he's gone up for 40 days, and the Israelites go nuts. They think he's Where's this guy that brought us out of? They go to Aaron, who's uh, one of the other priests, and say, make us an idol. And he takes all their gold that was given to them by the Egyptians when they left, and he makes a golden calf. 40 days. Just over a month. And um, I just want to read a section of this, because I, I think if in on honest reflection, and if you've spoken to people who have this story, and you're trying to counsel them out of it, See if this sounds familiar. Um, I'm just going to read from verse 22. So this is Exodus 32. It says, And Aaron said, this is Aaron's defense, Let not the anger of my Lord, talking about Moses, burn hot. You know these people. They are set on evil. For they said to me, Make us gods who will be before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So I said to them, let any of you who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me. I threw it in the fire and out popped this car. Right? That is amazing. Right? So there's a few things there. Blame. You know this people. You know the scenario. Oh, come on. You know the story. Right? So many times we're challenging our friends or even we're challenging our hearts. We're like, oh, well, it's common practice. Right? It's, it's what's happening. It's, we have very similar stories to Aaron. And then we also have these massive leaps of logic in our defense. Oh, well, it just happened. It didn't just happen. You chose it. And in this particular case, it's such a sacrifice. They ended up eating their gold. Later in the story, um, Moses grinds it down, puts it in the water, and feeds it to them. That should have been their, their nest eggs. That should have been their setup. But it became... A digestive story. It's terrible. All right, so, and the next um, slide I wanted to show you is this is not a, a one-stop incident. I'm sorry for the quality of this, but I couldn't find this image online. This is from 
I'll give references. Thompson's chain reference has got a study section to the back. And if you can see the rise and fall there, it's not very clear, but there's three different parameters. There's righteousness, sin, and idolatry. And it's mapping the different kings. So this is now in the area of kings. And you can see how it's good, bad, good, bad, good, bad, terrible, good, bad, terrible, bad. And it's, they get longer as well. And the sad thing about this is this is Israel's journey into captivity. So five, six hundred years before, Moses brings them out into freedom. God says, don't let them be a snare to you. What happens? Exactly what God did. And they end up being taken off to Babylon, back into captivity, back into slavery. Why? Because of this. So what can be done? How do we move? Quite simply, we need to move out of idolatry. And I'm not implying that all of our practices are idolatrous. Please don't. But if we're not moving out of it, we will find ourselves in it. Um, there's many different scriptures we could look at, but I want to just read something from Hebrews. Um, Hebrews 13, a very interesting chapter. I would suggest, I would love to have read the whole thing and unpacked it, but I'm going to give that to you as homework. Is that all right? Good, thanks. Um, but I'm just going to read a section out of it. So the, the title in my Bible, it's Sacrifices That Are Pleasing to God. That's chapter 30. Chapter 13, that's the, the title over that chapter. But I'm just going to read uh, verse 12 and 13. It says, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us, say us, let us go to him outside of the camp and bear the reproach that he endured. I think the first honest question we have to ask ourselves is, are we willing to swim against the stream? Are we willing to, to go outside the camp? Are we willing to bear the reproach that he, are we willing to be uncool? You know, the, the uncool was very different when I was young. Um, it was, if you were a tough guy, you didn't need to be a Christian, right? Because, uh, you know, who do you need? You don't need anyone, right? So you weren't cool if you were a Christian for that. But now it's very different. Now there's all sorts of things that we have to subscribe to and certain conversations we don't want to go to. But I'm, my challenge to you is that there are many different sacrifices that we actually call to make as Christians. We need to sacrifice this moral, moral relativity. We need to sacrifice our own personal empire. We need to sacrifice self-justification. There are many different things that we need to sacrifice so that we can avoid getting into the trap that the Israelites and the Bible fell into. We, are not, we, we need to have a healthy understanding of who we are. They didn't have the Bible. We do. There's massive lessons in there. Like, let's not trust ourselves not to fall into idolatry. We cannot trust ourselves. In Colossians 10, it says, we need to destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We need to capture rebellious thoughts and teach them such a great illustration that I'm going to get, I'm going to teach you. And talk to ourselves. That's how that works. 
right? And we teach them to obey Christ. You know, in Hebrews 13, it's very interesting. There's a, there's a lot of, of, of talk and directive about obeying your leaders. Ooh, he went there. Yes. Yes, we need to be. You know why? We don't know better. We need to be honest. We need people to lead us. They did. If you understand delegated authority is one of the gifts that God gives to the church. And I, I know Gabe, I know Mark, I want to honor them. These guys, they sit in the seat of delegated authority. We need to, and I'm going to use, we need to obey. That's what the Bible says. It doesn't sound cool. And some of us have got issues with authority. Sort those issues out. I used to have issues with authority. I walked away from the church for years because of, who's this guy? Who are you to tell me? Well, he's someone that knows better than me. We don't have to be so prideful. We'll get it wrong. Getting excited. We need to move out of idolatry, and we need to be aggressive with that move. We can't wait and, oh, that's obvious. If it's obvious, it's too late. All right, so the next one is we need to move, and this is obviously idols and altars, right? We need to move into what I would say reasonable worship. Now, don't misunderstand me. I do not for a minute mean comfortable worship. I'm going to read something to you. Getting an old book out. This is just to understand the Old Testament context because remember Christ fulfilled the law. And this is talking about the person offering a sacrifice. It says, after identifying himself with his sacrifice, the offerer would slay his own bull, his own sheep, goat, or bird. Now, I didn't, I didn't actually realize that. I don't know about you, but you taking an animal, you're the one who cuts its throat. Proximity is important. So they would slay and then watch the priest as he sprinkled the blood in God's prescribed manner and lay the sacrifice in its several parts on the altar. All this would impress upon the offerer the solemnity and reality of true yieldedness and devotedness to God. Without doubt, the Apostle Paul had this in mind, this offering when he said, Romans 12, I'm going to read it to you. I think you know it. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, the little footnote there, I don't know if it's, it should be there, but anyway, um, it says, spiritual worship, rational worship. In other words, logical, good trade, good economics. My body sacrificed because he did. When I know myself and I know what I've done and then I know him and I know what he did and what he is doing now, it's good economics. It's rational for me to lay myself down, not be prideful and say I can do this on my own, but lay myself down and say I am going to live a life 
of worship that is reasonable and it's, it's birthed in a place of sacrifice. Now, at the beginning I said God's heart was to care for us. I really want to appeal to you. Having, having tried it on my own, having lived that, and having lived the last, I can say the last 15 years, I've tried to stay in the place of sacrifice. Try to stay in the place of now, tried is a very important thing because you keep on slipping. You keep on finding things that have become idolatrous. But I, I, I cannot encourage you strongly enough that this is a life worth living because it's a life that you know. I know how my life ends. I don't have to go into questions of predestination. I know where I'm going. I don't, I don't know. Am I going to fall away? Never because I won't let it happen because I'm... I'm Constantly saying, God, is there anything in my life? Daily practice, having a conversational relationship with God, saying, God, is there anything? Is there anything that's becoming an idol? And then having the courage to say, even that needs to die. Because you need to live in me. And there's no way you can't have two masters. Not a, that's, that's a principle with money. It's not only money. So my appeal to you today by the mercies of God, knowing yourselves, knowing how we live, knowing Him, knowing how He lived, what's reasonable? What is a rational response? It's a laid down life. Thank you so much for watching and listening. That was an amazing sermon, and we love seeing what God is doing in and through our lives as we move through the book of Exodus. So, if you'd like to find out more or give the rest of the series a watch or listen, Head over to our website, follow us on social media, and get connected. We'll see you soon.